The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. The Tom Sumner Program is made possible with support from Seth David Radwell, a recent guest on the program and author of American Schism, How the Two Enlightenments Hold a Secret to Healing Our Nation, released in July 2021. As Publishers Weekly writes in its recent glowing review of American Schism, business executive Radwell's epic debut examines the historical influences that have led to what he sees as the collapse of politics in the United States. Seth Radwell makes the case that the current chasm between the American right and left can be traced back to the 18th century's Age of Enlightenment and the basic tenets of liberty, equality, and reason. American Schism provides a historical perspective that can help bridge current day divides. American Schism by Seth David Radwell is available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and wherever books are sold. For more information, go to americanschismbook.com. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Ladies and gentlemen, in Philip Rapp's creation, The Bickersons. <laughs> What's what's the matter? All right, all right. Blanche, Blanche. I'm putting a ribbon in my hair. Where are you going? I'm not going anywhere. I just thought I'd like to look nice this morning. Why? I knew you'd forget. You don't even know what day this is. I do, too. It's rent day. It is not. Today happens to be our wedding anniversary. Well, I knew it was a sad occasion of some kind. What kind of a remark is that? That's supposed to be funny. No, it isn't supposed to be funny, Blanche. I'm just groggy, that's all. I'm sorry. I knew you'd forget. I didn't forget it. So why didn't you say something? Blanche, I just opened my eyes. You forgot it. I tell you, I didn't forget it. But even if I did, you'd remind me of it. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Is that all? No plans? We've been married eight years. Don't you want to do something? No, it's too late to do anything. It's sad about you. How you suffer. I didn't get such a bargain, you know. Okay, okay. There's better fish in the ocean than the one I caught. There's better bait, too. I'm serious. Okay, I'm sorry. You hack away at me in the morning and I'm so exhausted, I don't know what I'm saying. 
You wouldn't be so exhausted if you went to bed at a reasonable hour. I had to work overtime. Pour me some coffee. Get paid? I'll get paid. What time did you get home? 12.30. If you got home at 12.30, why were you so long getting into bed? I know for a fact you didn't come to bed until almost 2. I was in the kitchen putting the stuff away. What stuff? What's the matter, Blanche? You told me to bring stuff home for the party tonight. You invited a lot of your crumb friends and you told me to bring stuff, so I brought stuff. Did you bring the potatoes for the potato salad? I brought potatoes. Did you pair them? I paired them. All of them? All except one. He had a big knob on top and I couldn't find the mate for him. I meant... I know what you meant, Blanche. I even boiled them last night. Where are my pants? Who stole my pants? Nobody stole your pants. I just looked in the wastebasket and they're not there. My shoes are missing from the sink. Don't be silly, John. Your pants are on a hanger in the closet and your shoes are in the shoe rack. How'd they get there? I put them there. Well, I wish you'd quit throwing my things around like that. (laughs) Gotta get them or I'll be late. You won't be late. Here are your pants. Thanks. Blanche, these aren't my pants. They're not? Then whose pants are they? That's a good question, only I should be asking. Don't be so snobby. They were baggy, so I pressed them. Baggy? Took me an hour to find the right crease. Be careful you don't wrinkle them now. What's the difference? I like my pants to look lived in. You're dragging the tops on the floor. Hold your trouser leg with your left hand, then step in with your right foot. Blanche, I've been putting on my own pants for over 40 years, and I don't need you to be the foreman of it. Hand me my Which one? It doesn't matter. I want to use it for a belt. My suspenders are broken. Why don't you wear your belt? I'm using it to keep the soles from falling off my shoes. John Fitterson, you know you're just... I know it. I know I haven't got a belt. Where's my shirt? Where did you hide my shirt? I didn't hide it anywhere. Well, where is it? I draped it around the canary's cage so he could sleep. Is my shirt the only rag you could find to cover the bird's cage with? Hasn't hurt anything, has it? No, but I don't like the way that bird pokes into my pockets. Every time I take a cigarette out, I'm smoking bird seed. Why do you have to cover the cage anyway? The canary is sensitive to light. Well, get him a pair of sunglasses. Leave my shirt alone. No bird's going to sleep later than I do. Ah, shut up. John, why must you be so mean on our anniversary? Blanche, I'm not mean. I'm worried. Business is bad. My job is hanging by a thread. You never should have quit your other job. You made me quit. You said it wasn't dignified selling bowling balls. You were embarrassed to answer when people asked you what your husband sold. Well, it sounded like it was trying to start a fight. That's no problem for you. I gotta go. Here, and don't forget your samples. I won't forget. This darn vacuum cleaner gets heavier every day. Straighten this hose around my neck, will you, Blanche? There, there. Now, got everything? I think so. No, wait a minute. You got any money? Well, there's 50 cents in the sugar bowl. 50 cents? You can bring me the change when you come home. Now listen, Blanche, something's got to be done about this. I can't go down to work like a pauper every day. A man's got to have a couple dollars in his pocket. Now don't yell at me. I don't mind going with torn clothes and holes in my socks, but I'm not going to suffer through those lunches anymore. What's the matter with your lunches? You ought to know. You pack them for me. I'm just getting sick of carrying my lunch to work in a paper sack. Why can't I go to the restaurant like the other fellas? John, what are you talking about? I haven't fixed your lunch for two years. Oh, Blanche, every morning of my life I find my lunch wrapped in brown paper on the side of the sink. John, that's the garbage. Goodbye, Blanche. Goodbye, dear. Happy anniversary.
Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour has created homes on five continents over 20 years, raised four uniquely sensitive children, pursued a special education lawsuit, appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court, volunteered in a hospice in Texas and an orphanage in Azerbaijan, and uh, worked as a spiritual counselor in Houston, taught workshops and trainings in the art of being an empath and the power of language in many countries around the world. She splits her time between Boulder and Oslo. She has a new book called The Space in Between, an Empath's Field, and her name is uh, Signe Myers Hovum, and she joins me by phone. Hi, Signe. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Tom. Thanks for having me. Am I saying your name right? Yes. um, My name is... um rooted in Scandinavian language, and it's, it's pronounced Cigna, but I grew up in the U.S. from Colorado, and my parents found my name in a book, and they pronounced it Signe, so I identify as Signe, but it's quite strange that I also live in Oslo with a Norwegian husband, so I'm used to people calling me all sorts of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you can be empathetic. Yes, I can. Thank you for that. <laughs> well, let let me let me ask about this book. Um, first of all, I'm I'm really curious about the title, "The Space in Between." And I was talking about all the different places that you've lived and all the things that you do and have done, and it doesn't sound like there'd be much space in between. But what do you mean when you say the space in between? Well, you know. Being in an empath and having empathic receptivity means that, you know, I'm having a, a larger conversation with the environment around me because, you know, there's the physical realm and then there's the energetic realm of our emotions and our thoughts and, um, you know, states of being like joy and grace and love. And, you know, those are kind of energetic expressions and consciousness. And so the space in between is really at that heart center where you are kind of toggling between the physical and the energetic. And that is where, you know, somebody who's really um, empowered by their own sensitivities and accepting of their true sensory nature, you know, that's where they find balance is being in that space in between because, that represents kind of a unified um, state of being that you recognize that you are both energy and energy. Um, you're both physical and energy, and um, so that's what I mean by the space in between. And the other part of the title, the uh, let's see, it's the space in between an empath's field guide. Now, is is field guide kind of a play on words like? you know how how yeah. to how to act as as an empath but then you've got the book broken into five different fields that's right you know um you know i grew up in colorado and you know going out into the wilderness you know you and i've also participated in outward bound courses and you know there are field guides and they typically represent um you know 
a way to experience the environment you're in with a little bit more guidance. And that's what I wanted this book to be for people who identify as being very sensitive and maybe get overwhelmed or they don't quite understand it. So I wanted to break it down um, and kind of systematically go through different ways in which one you can either um, deny or, you know, be unaware about your sensitivities because, you know, we, we kind of are born into a consumer lifestyle and that kind of creates also conformity. And, you know, so I, I ask a lot of questions in each part of these fields. The first field is the field of reflection. You know, where do you see yourself reflected back? Where may you be limiting yourself because of other belief systems presented to you through, you know, cultural authorities? Um, the next field is the field of definition and trying to really break down, um, you know, what is an empath? What is it um, they're feeling? And and I think, too, for the definition part, it was very critical for me to bring into the conversation that if you look up in the dictionary, um, the dictionary will place the word empath and empathic as its origin in science fiction and um, fantasy. And, and that really doesn't lend a lot of uh, permission for someone who's trying to understand why they have so many sensitivities. Um, you know, how can they communicate to themselves and to others when, you know, an authority on language like the dictionary, you know, basically gives you a narrow glance. So, you know, my book is really about examining where are you kind of limited, but also where can you expand and come back into yourself and honor yourself. But the field guides too, you know, there's also the, the field of, um, you know, the unified field in physics, you know, it's it's the understanding of um, classical physics and quantum physics creates like the unified field. And within consciousness, I do believe that if we honor our physical reality, our life experiences, which are customized to help us have empathy, along with our intuitive um, abilities of, you know, being empathetic, um, you know, that's a unified person, one who can recognize that they they are both instincts and intuition. Isn't instinct and intuition kind of interchangeable? Not from my not from my understanding and my experience with energy, because um instinct you have you know, kind of hardwired into you on some level, like, you know, we have reflexes and instincts. But if you have a, you know, say you have a negative experience and you instinctively protect yourself because you develop these instincts based on experience, whereas intuition is more of an ability to kind of read the energy that's presenting. And it's intuition ideally is trying to put you in the, position or the path with the best outcome for you and so to me instinct kind of represents the energetic uh, side of life and instincts represent the more physical learned um, behavioral aspect of life more about empathy with author signe myers holm straight ahead Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination, a COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can. Keep wearing masks correctly and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19 and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Discoveries. They happen when we least expect them in places we thought we knew. And discoveries have a way of teaching us a little more about ourselves along the way. Welcome to Flint and Genesee County, where up north meets down south. Home to Michigan's largest county park system and a vibrant culture. A place filled with discoveries we've yet to make. Throughout acres of beautiful lakes, wetlands, and woods, and in the diverse city beyond where the uplifting melodies of gospel choirs fill the air, where the work of renowned artists color the galleries and museums, where the fresh fruits and vegetables at the downtown farmer's market awaken our senses, and where the cultural center and planetarium broaden our view of the world. Let's spend a few days enjoying the wonders of Flint and Genesee County, where the joy of discovery is pure Michigan. Your trip begins at michigan.org. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. I know of a place where you never get harmed, a magical place with magical charms, indoors, indoors, indoors.
Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More about empathy with author Signe Myers Hovum, straight ahead. What is, you mentioned um, intuitive a moment ago, and I just recently talked with someone who considered themselves a, a medical intuitive. And, uh-huh. and we talked a little bit about this, but what is, can you explain the difference between um, empathetic and intuitive? Yeah, well, I, so in my book, I actually have a chapter where I look at um, empathy and empathetic and empath and empathic. Because to me, you know, I think they get um, misused or kind of uh, crossed over in different ways. And so my book was a way, you know, and this is what I cover in the field of definition, is like when you begin to understand there's an energetic aspect to life as well as the physical aspect of life, you'll see that um, there's a lot of studies right now on empathy and how, you know, empathy is a great connector and it helps, you know, people just feel expanded and connected to humanity, to themselves, to their family, to their culture. And they, they did a lot of studies about, you know, where, where does empathy come from? And so they looked at mirror neurons um, as, you know, being something where you see you can see something happen and then you can feel for that person that you're, you know, you didn't have to necessarily go through what they went through, but you saw them and you witnessed them on some level and you have a lot of empathy for them. But when you go into, like, the energetic, the intuitive, the more um, you, you are feeling and you're sensing things without the visual, um, that's your ability to kind of perceive um, energetic impressions. So an empath or an empathic intuitive person can come into a room where there's no visual clues. You're not seeing somebody experiencing anything, but you're feeling it. And so you have no visual clues, but you're feeling it. And so that is when you are empathic, and um, which is different from empathetic, which is when you're on the physical and you've watched the news and you see something that's very heart rendering and you have a lot of empathy for that person. So I like to say that, you know, empathy and empathetic are on the physical realm. Empathic and an empath are on the energetic realm. But empathy is is there energetically and physically. You know, it's you know you can feel something as an empath, as an empathic person. You may feel it, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have empathy. So you know, I just for myself, I like to. to You know, I am someone who's really ready for the conversation to go towards, you know, we are more than just our five sensory self that, you know, we have intuitive senses as well as, you know, we feel we can, you can touch, you can, you know, there's the um, clairvoyant, there's the clairaudient, and, you know, these are all intuitive channels that, um, you know, are still nonetheless using your nervous system to present you with information. are all people empathic if to different degrees? I believe so. I think um, I think some are, you know, maybe more just 
um, hardwired that way. They come in born, you know, um, Dr. Elaine Aaron is the one who coined the uh, phrase a highly sensitive person. And I think they found through her research um, that, and I think she started this research back in the late 1980s, that, you know, 20% is a genetic um a genetic expression that, you know, 20% of the population has in which they are more highly sensitive to their environment. Um, and then, you know, so a lot of people who felt sensitive, you know, they went to this umbrella and say, oh, well, I'm a highly sensitive person. You know, this kind of validates me. But what I wanted to kind of bring into the conversation is that there's a lot of empathic people who you know, took the label highly sensitive and the environmental sensitivities, you know, are real, but empathic sensitivities are as well. And um, the highly sensitive label doesn't really address the empathic sensitivities because, you know, if you're highly sensitive, you're usually not asking yourself, did I just imagine that really funny feeling coming off of that guy, (laughs) you know? So where an empathic person is struggling most of their life to kind of understand these kind of sensations they receive and they usually either dismiss them or they think it's their imagination. Um, So that's why I think right now it's very important as more people are becoming sensitive and empathic and empathetic that we start to understand, um, you know, where are they getting these impressions from? If everybody has... um some level of being empathic can can people hone that or nourish that into a greater amount or do you just have what you have no i believe um my myself i use myself as an example in the book is you know one of the one of the things I say, if, if you identify as an empath, you're on a spiritual path because this sensitivity will actually make you turn inward and examine your own life. Because if you can, if you can know your own sensitivities and the sources of them, you know, that's very empowering. You're not having to, you know, put up a lot of barriers. You, you feel safe with yourself and you're not fearful. But you also have to know what are your triggers. You know, in your own life, everyone will know what their issues are. So that's what self-awareness uh, brings to somebody is, you know, this is a trigger or that person really triggers me. And then it's the curiosity that comes in, like, well, why do I get upset when that person does that? And, you know, so an empath, you know, they they gain more authority the more that they accept themselves and they accept their life experiences and they understand what is their um, issues. So when they pick up something from the environment, like if they suddenly have um, their emotional mood changes or they have a random thought come to them, they can really easily discern, well, you know, that isn't mine. That didn't originate from my, me. That This is just something I'm picking up. So to hone the ability is actually to go in and do your inner work because, you know, you're essentially picking up stuff that people have not processed. It kind of gets flushed out into the energetic environment. And, you know, for myself, I I went from being someone who was very, um, uh, not fearful, but I really avoided um, crowds and um, 
outings because I just didn't understand what was going on and I wanted to protect myself. And, and now that I understand, you know, what I'm picking up is actually, you know, it was never really personally directed to me. I'm just picking it up. I have a lot of compassion um, for what I feel from other people. And it, it's not like I have to process what they're experiencing, but I can witness them in my own way. I can lift up a prayer for them. I can acknowledge in my own heart that there is somebody who's suffering and I wish them well. And so, you know, to, to fine tune or hone in for anyone that empathic aspect of their heart, it's, um, it's really to be compassionate to yourself and to be compassionate for those around you. Some people might think that that somehow empathy and compassion um, are, are learned as a part of one's faith or or how they define spirituality. Um, is 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 are those things separate? Well, you know, I, um, you know, emotions and feelings, you know, can be sensitivities, but they can also be guidance. And I feel like when you allow your sensitivities to go towards guidance, you're more or less entering into the spiritual plane of growth and development. And it, it kind of honors resilience and a sense of purpose, and that kind of leads into service. And so faith and a, and a religion, you know, that is a structure that can, yes, definitely give um, guidance to someone to self-develop. Um, but I think that when you yourself experience empathy, and I do think empathy is not uh, copyrighted by any religion institution, you know, empathy is there when you can see yourself in someone else so you're kind of allowing yourself to see your external world and you can see how you're connected to it. Um, I, I really feel my saving grace was nature. I grew up alongside a national forest in Colorado. And whenever I was struggling um, to feel like I fit into humanity, um, I went to nature, which is, you know, authentic. It has no agenda. It's pure. It has a vitality, and I felt myself, my true, authentic nature, uh, more so in nature than anywhere else. And so I always go back to nature as, um, you know, a place that supports me. And it also helped me come to terms with my sensitivity because nature is sensitive, but it's also resilient. And I felt that when I looked at my sensitivity, um, I never imagined I would come out in public and say I'm an empath. And in fact, probably many of my older friends will be shocked to hear that I've written this book because, it's, you know, it's something I've kept very private. And But it's the truth of who I am. I mean, I my sensitivities made me look inward and understand myself in a way that uh, culture could could not. It, it kind of um, was deeper than that. And I start my book with a quote by a Greek um, poet, Pindar, and it's, 
know who you are and be such. And I really hope that my book is an invitation to people to kind of know what is the source of your sensitivities. And also, you know, do you know who you are and can you be such? And so for me to be authentic, I had to accept that, yes, I'm sensitive and not um, keep this hidden um, because when you start to suppress aspects of yourself, um, you know, you, you then create a separation and, you know, trying to strive for unification of heart and mind and body requires, you know, truth and honesty and to know yourself. For some people, experiencing empathy, might they might explain it as somehow channeling the grace of God. And then others might consider it something humans do to try to be closer to God. Is empathy something that's just built into the human condition and whatever exploration we do with regard to spirituality and faith and religion is about learning how to use the tools that are built into us? I, you know, I do feel that, um, you know, different people feel a benevolence, uh, creator energy, um, all that is. Um, I myself really, you know, again, look to nature because, um, you know, it was created. And I look at language. You know, I, I use language as a spiritual tool because, you know, the definition of to create is to call into being. And so we're each creators and we're calling into being into this physical realm from our consciousness. And so some are unconscious creators who are kind of trapped in drama and um, perpetuate, you know, cycles that just repeat themselves. But then when you kind of wake up and you discover the power of the mind and how, you know, your thoughts really influence how you feel about yourself and your environment and your life, you realize how much um, actually power and control you have. And, um, you know, so I, I experienced a lot of mystical grace. And, you know, I also don't try to label it too much because I find when you label something, you fix it. But you can name an experience and you... Um, so... I do believe that in each person, the more you can work towards um, experiencing your life through your heart, which is, you know, the energy of forgiveness and compassion, you know, these are, these are, every single person is born into a family, into a society, a culture, and we're primed to learn many lessons in our life, you know, and, and at a soul level, I believe we come in specifically to learn um, specific things and to know ourselves and to accept ourselves and, you know, to have a uh, love of self um, because, you know, if we respect ourselves, then it's, it's much easier also to respect others. You know, it's that balance of um, being able to be both a consumer and a creator. And I think that's one of the challenges all of us face in Western society is how to balance being a creator and a consumer and appreciate all that we see and we receive. I mentioned earlier that there are 
five parts in your book, um, five uh, fields. Fields. And and we talked about the first two, reflection and definition, uh, but there is the field of sensing, the field of experience and awareness, and the field of mystery. And I love a mystery. Um, (laughs) Is that... is what you explore in part five the field of mystery those those mysteries of life that that we find that we all find ourselves asking about? Yes, um, that's you know the field of mystery you know allows for the fact that you know um, I myself do not know everything and I only share my experiences and what I have learned and I hope to be a guide for some people and I've had quite a few. Um, mystical experiences that have humbled me and um, made me see where I wasn't maybe applying self-love and self-compassion. You know, it's easy to look outside of yourself and be in awe of nature and the cosmos, but if you don't hold that same awe for your own creation, you know, that's that's a disparity. There's a separation consciousness there. So, if you can, you know, see yourself as just as much part of that awesome creation that you're living within, you know, that's when you become unified um, with the expression of beauty and wonder, and you don't displace your own authority. And um, I, the mystery too, you know, one of the experiences I had, and I'll just share with your audience, is I was on an outward bound trip in my early 20s, and I was on a rafting trip, and um, our raft was being brought to shore to look at a rapid coming up, and I was the person at the bow, and I had to bring up the rope and tie the raft, and because the other boats that we were with in this group had already anchored and come ashore, we were kind of left with the last um, spot. It wasn't ideal, but, you know, the rest of the crew are there paddling to keep the nose of the boat in, and I take this rope and I start running between, you know, bushes and towards a, a tree to to tie the rope. And I stop. And I don't know why I'm stopping. It's like I'm just paralyzed. And I'm having this kind of conversation with myself, like, what's going on? And then it's like my hearing came on and I could hear the rattling. And then I my eyesight came into focus and I could see there was a cocked rattler right at the base of the tree that I was approaching and I stood there you know I wasn't panicked but I I was kind of just frozen uncertain what I was to do and our instructor was kind of shouting from the boat going what's taking you so long and I somehow managed to you know shout back without startling the snake that you know I've got a snake in front of me and he said don't move you know I'm coming you know I'll help you out and so I just continued to kind of be in this frozen state and he comes up behind me and he says don't move you've got them behind you too (laughs) so I had walked into a rattlesnake den you know obviously unintentional and yet none of them struck me and, you know, my instructor helped me get out by, we threw the rope behind us and we, he told me on the count of three and we would run, you know, parallel out to the side. And, you know, we got out of there, but it was a marvel to me that there was some innate intelligence that knew exactly where to stand 
and be still. And all of the snakes around me, um, you know, they held their position as well. But, you know, it, it, it just to me is a mystery that, you know, like finding the center of a magnetic field, you know, where the charge is zero, that, you know, here I stood in really potential danger, and yet there was grace, there was mystery, um, and there was a part of me that got to experience this field of mystery of how was I held in that moment and and came out of it, you know? So there's a, there's a lot of mystery to life. The... Um my guest is Signe Myers Hovum, the author of the space in uh, the space in between an empath's field guide. Um, Signe, who benefits best from reading this book? I I hope that anyone who feels sensitive, like um, or overwhelmed with um, feeling too much, you know, empathy. Um, or people who identify as being an empath um, or a highly sensitive person. Um, I think, or if you know someone in your life that you find is very sensitive and you don't quite understand why they have certain um, behaviors or traits, um, I think this would be a, a comprehensive guide into kind of understanding where is their sensitivities coming from and how can they have strategies? And more importantly, how can they be self-empowered by accepting themselves and really seeing how this is giving them a larger conversation than maybe other people are used to with their environment and with themselves and with mystery? Signe, I feel like we're just scratching the surface and we're almost out of time, but I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and uh, the book and your work, past, present, and future. Do you have a website? I do. It's www.smhovum. My last name is H-O-V as in Victor, E as in Edward, M as in Mary, dot com. And um, you can find links to my book there where you can purchase it. It just was released um, on October 12th, so I'm very excited about that. And um, so all the details of my services and the book are there. And um, I look forward to anyone who has questions, you know, reaching out and contacting me and um, see what other resources I can bring forth for them. Well, Signe, thanks so much for uh, spending this time with me and the listeners. And keep up the good work. All right. Thank you so much, Tom. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. The name of the book is The Space in Between, an Empath's Field Guide by Signe Myers Hobum. And we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio For a new Generation TomSumnerProgram.com The TomSumnerProgram.com The TomSumnerProgram.com Hello there, citizens. 
Darkwing Duck here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. While we've been staying safe at home, scientists have been on a journey. The destination? A COVID-19 vaccine. This journey began decades ago with research into other coronaviruses. Scientists built from there with months of research and development, cooperation with other experts worldwide, and clinical trials on tens of thousands of volunteers of diverse race, age, and health status. They arrived at a safe, effective vaccine, and hundreds of thousands in Michigan have already been vaccinated. But the next step is ours. We need to get the vaccine when we can, keep wearing masks correctly, and taking precautions until we reach our destination, freedom from COVID-19, and getting back to the lives we love. Discover the facts for yourself at michigan.gov slash COVID vaccine. A message from the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services. Armchair Politics is going to hell. Hell, Michigan, that is, and you are invited. On October 27th, Wednesday before Halloween, Armchair Politics will be broadcasting live from 9 a.m. to noon from the Hell Saloon in Hell, Michigan, near Pinckney. This will be our first in-person meeting of the Tom Sumner Program's weekly roundtable armchair politics since the beginning of the pandemic. Join me and roundtable regulars Flint's premier political pundit Paul Rosicki on the left and longtime Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter on the right, plus more on Wednesday, October 27, 2021, starting at 9 a.m. at the Hell Saloon. Armchair politics is going to hell, and you can too. Say, objection. I object. I object to that, Your Honor. Oh, hi, Mom. What's up? Dana, what are you doing? Oh, you know, just um, Attorney General stuff. Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than $1,000 now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So listen, we just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam. Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, Report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dana, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. 
Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. I'd like to do a uh, song from a Broadway show. The show is Paint Your Wagon, and the song is I Talk to the Trees. The stars, but they never hear me. The breeze hasn't time. The breeze hasn't time to stop and hear what I hear say. What I, say. I, talk to them all I talk to them all in vain. But suddenly, my suddenly. Stupid song. <laughs> Every time that I that yeah, I hear you sing time. that song, I think it. Boy, what a stupid song. Yeah, yeah. Think it, Vanessa. <laughs> you really pick a fine time to tell me about it. Well, I wanted to surprise you. No, oh. you just succeeded. You surprised me. But for your information. Talk to the Trees is not stupid. It's, it's from a hit Broadway show entitled Paint Your Wagon, which was a great show. A lot of great songs. Paint Your Wagon? <laughs> it's yeah. a stupid, sounds like a stupid show and a stupid song. And it's a dumb, and anybody connected with a show or a song like that has got to be a stupid, dumb, weirdo freak. All right, I agree with you. The show happens to be about a young man very much like yourself. Maybe I spoke a little hastily. It's about a young man very much like my brother. He's young and shy and bashful, very timid, but he's so much in love. That, that makes everything all right. He was so much in love, it was his first love. But he was so bashful that he was afraid to tell his sweetheart that he loved her and she knew not of his love. But he had to tell someone or something because it, this frustration, this terrible feeling was building up within him. and. Finally, he did a very beautiful thing. He went out to the Did he tell country. her that he loved her? No. He never did. He wished he could. He wished he had the courage to walk up to her and take her by the hand and look deeply into her eyes and say very simply and truthfully, I love you. I love you very much. And I only hope that one day you may grow to love me half as much as I love you right now. I will. Because I... <laughs> That's just enough. But he couldn't do that. So one day he went out in the countryside and he tried to communicate with Mother Nature's wise old trees and, and talk to these trees and tell these marvels of nature, these wise old trees of his great guy's love. guy's a real nut. <laughs> no, he's not a nut. Sneaking off into the forest to talk to the trees. <laughs> Tommy, that's not what he did. Hi there, Mr. Tree. How are you? How's Mrs. Tree? All the little bushes. <laughs> guy like that Tommy. would talk to a fire he hydrant. Fire. Hi there, Firehide. I've just been talking to this big old tree over here. <laughs> Certainly have a lot in common, you two. <laughs> All right, now that is just enough. Tommy, 
Don't you understand at all? Just a second. Hi there, stage. Used to be a tree, didn't you? <laughs> you are a very shallow, callow individual. You have made fun of this song. You haven't even tried to understand. Who's your fat friend? <laughs> Used to be a tree, didn't you, fatty? <laughs> Will you leave my bass alone? What happens? You hang around with the wrong type of people? Shut up! You really should be proud of yourself. Really, you should be very proud of yourself. You stood up here and you ridiculed me. You ridiculed this song. You ridiculed a wonderful show. And, it's, and you think everybody's proud of you out there. You think they're all looking up there and say, Oh, why? Isn't he a sharp, clever boy? No, they're all staring at you. They're staring and wondering. And they've, you know what you've shown them? You've shown them how crass, how shallow, how unfeeling an individual can be, how totally void of any poetic beauty in your entire makeup, your entire soul. You didn't understand the song? You ridiculed me and you've come down a, a notch let, or two. That's you, all I've got to say. You... You what? Oh, yeah? Yeah. I don't care what you do now. You didn't like... Go ahead. You talked, you talked mean to me and, and you said that I didn't have any sensitivity and I was a crass, shallow person. I happen to be a person too, Dickie, and I have sensitivity and I have feeling and I have love in my heart. I'm sensitive to every little blade of grass that grows. But I wouldn't talk to him. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Another five-minute mystery. Our story takes place in Green's Gap, a small town in the Southern Cavern District. Green's Gap Hospital, Dr. Melville speaking. Doctor, doctor, there's been an accident out at Echo Cavern. Accident? What kind of accident? Two men were exploring and they got lost last night. One's unconscious. You better come quick before he's dead. I hope you know how to get out to Echo Cavern, Len. Well, with the job of being town constable and ambulance driver, I reckon I know all there is to know about these parts. Ever been in the cavern, Len? Once, Doc Melville, when I was a boy. Nearly got my hide tanned off by my paw. Echo Cavern's a mite treacherous place. You mean it's easy to get lost in it? Not only that, Doc. It's that cavern gas carbine, mm, something. You mean carbon dioxide? Yeah, that's it. All of a sudden, you run into some of that stuff, and before you know it, Bean, you're out. Still, people seem to be going uh, exploring in there. More fools to be. I wouldn't go into them caverns, at least, till I was not without a dog. A dog? What for? Well, if a dog keels over, then you know the gas is collecting. I'm afraid, Mr. Gaddy, your friend is dead. Oh, poor Patsy. It wasn't from the gas, was it, Doc? That's what it looks like to me. Why'd you go into that cavern anyway? Patsy asked me to. We'd never seen a cave before. How far did you go in? Well, it didn't seem very far, but all of a sudden we lost our way. Where was that? Well, how do I know whereabouts it was if we was lost? We tried to trace our way back, but it was no use. Patsy started to get scared. It's kind of funny to see a big guy like that get scared. Yeah, he is rather big, isn't he? Yeah, six foot four. The mob used to call us Mutt and Jeff. And then what happened? Well, I was a little scared myself, but we stuck together. You know, walking in the dark with only my flash from the car. 
All of a sudden, Pat's keeled over. From the gas? Yeah, that's what I figured. His head hit on a rock, and I guess that just about finished him off. I suppose you reckon yourself pretty lucky, mister. Yeah, sure. I figure it's because I'm only five foot three that I got out of there alive. Gas must have been just about a foot over my head. Yeah? And what do you think about that, Doc Melville? I think you better arrest Mr. Gotti for the murder of his friend Patsy. What was the flaw in Gaddy's story? Do you know it? In a moment, we'll hear from Lem and Dr. Melville. And now, let's see whether you're as observant as Lem and the doctor. Hey, copper, let me put my hands down. They're tired. When you're in Green Gap's jail, not before. I don't get it. It was a good story. I still can't figure out how you found out. Lem tells me they used to take dogs in the cavern because the gas is heavier than air. It collects on the floor. If you really meant gas, you would have keeled over first, before your pal Patsy. Well, what do you know? I tell you, nowadays in this murder racket, you need a college education. Another five-minute mystery. This five-minute mystery featured the voices of Rhonda Groves Young, Randy Zimmerman, Sean Cantwell, and yours truly, Tom Sumner. Stay tuned to the Tom Sumner Program for future mini-mysteries. Staying here inside It's too dangerous out in the world I'll see you on the other side When I'm in my quarantine In my little place too high My heart is aching and I'm missing you I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side on the other side We're all in for a bumpy ride I'll see you on the other side It's not the same without you here this phone so tight Then I'll whisper you a goodnight kiss I'll see you on the other side When I crawl out of my cage When the world is purified I will find you and I promise this I'll see you on the other side I'll see you on the other side See you on the other side And I'll meet you with arms open wide See you on the other side See you on the other side See you on the other side And I'll meet you with arms open wide See you on the other side
Tom Sumner Program.com. Hi, I'm Alexander Zonjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 